Welcome to the Rhythm of Us podcast. We're your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. This past year, we released a book we've been pouring our hearts and souls into for quite some time, and it's called The Rhythm of Us. And it's available now wherever you get your books. Throughout this season, we'll be exploring the five rhythms from our book, as well as sitting with and learning from wise leaders, mentors, and friends in our life about the intentional rhythms that can lead us closer to God and closer to each other. Well, today we are excited to welcome our friend, Jonathan Pitts, to the show. Uh, If you don't know Jonathan, he is an author, speaker, executive pastor of Church of the City right here in Franklin, Tennessee. For years, he served as the director of the Urban Alternative, which is a national ministry led by Dr. Tony Evans in Dallas, Texas. Jonathan has also co-authored two books alongside of his late wife, Winter Pitts. He's also the president of Four Girls Like You Ministry, a ministry for tween girls and their parents. He has four girls, so he he knows what's up there. (laughs) He does. We just so enjoyed this conversation with Jonathan and can't wait to share Mm -hmm. it with you. Jonathan shares the highs and lows of his story, which has been quite a whirlwind Mm -hmm. over the last few years. Just after celebrating 15 years of marriage to his wife, Winter, in the summer of 2018, Winter passed away unexpectedly in her sleep. Jonathan shares his journey of grief and loss, how the Lord has carried him over the last few years, how he navigated life with his four daughters and helped them find their new normal in a new city without their mom, and trusting God for their future together. This was such a beautiful, rich conversation with Jonathan. We were so blessed by the lessons he shared from his story, and we just can't wait to share it with you. I just love how authentic he is and how open he is and how he's truly embracing his story. So guys, we really had a great time in this chat. We hope you enjoyed as well. So let's jump in. Here's Jonathan. Well, uh, Jonathan, man, welcome to The Rhythm of Us, man. We're glad you're here. It's good to be with you guys. Good to see your beautiful faces as well. Uh, here we are. It's really good to finally connect. We were saying before we jumped on, we have so many mutual friends and live really close to each other in the same town. But like literally right around the corner, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but it's, it's really nice to finally connect with you. All right, man. Well, uh, your story is, man, just it's wild. It's um, there's been some really cool things and some hard things have happened over the last few years for you. And so for those who don't know, who don't know your story, we're going to dive into all the work that you're doing. You're doing some pretty cool stuff on parenting and uh, you've got four girls that you're raising um, and you just got your hands in a bunch of different things. Before before we do that, someone doesn't know your story. Would you mind taking a second and share with our audience Mr. Pitt's story? Yeah. Well, I'll start by saying um, I have four daughters, age 17, 15, and twin 12-year-olds. And um, between the four of them and my wife, anything could happen. So I apologize for any noise in advance. But uh, long story <laughs> short, yeah, I'm a, I guess I'd say I'm a part-time pastor in Tennessee, in Franklin specifically, trying to figure out who I am anew. I've had a lot of change over the last couple of years, but um, I'll start at a pretty big kind of crossroad in my life. Uh, 2018, July 10th of 2018, I bought my house in Franklin, Tennessee, where I'm sitting right now. And then um, uh, moved in uh, the next day. And then July 14th, my family, my wife, my four daughters and I went on a road trip to Iowa for a week to visit my family. And then we went back to Dallas for a week where I was finishing up a role as executive director for the Urban Alternative, which is the national ministry of a guy named Dr. Tony Evans, a pastor in Dallas. And spiritual dad to me. I've worked with him for more than 14 years in different capacities and their, their family, which is a ministry family. And while we were there, um, I, I was finished up my last week of work. My wife, Winter, at the time was um, 
finishing up the last book that she would publish. And my girls were about to go to camp. And so we were just really excited about our future, our future in Franklin. I was coming to Franklin to be an executive pastor and she was a published author. So like just had lots of um, opportunity here in this town, you know, and so we're just really excited about the future that we have here. And um, that Tuesday I was saying goodbye to coworkers and at about two 30, I got a text from Windsor just saying, Hey, I'm not feeling well. And I just, just text her back. And I was like, what's going on? You okay? And she never responded. And so I went home that evening, still thinking about our move, picked up our van, which was getting detailed for the after the long drive we'd already had, getting ready for another drive. And I got home, I picked up Costco ribs and Caesar salad, which I'll never eat again, and uh, got home. And I came in the house and Winter was sitting there with my two nieces and then my four daughters and laughing with my sister-in-law, doing each other's hair, playing this game. Like, so I went down, I laid down and took a nap. So I ran early that morning. And then Winter and I just literally passed each other. She went and took a nap. We kind of knew each other really well, having been married at that point, 15 years and 27 days. And so she laid down and I just knocked on the door and said, hey, I'm fixing dinner for the girls. Do you want to eat? She said, I think I just need to lay down for a little bit longer. And she's just rested. And so um, I wasn't thinking about the fact that she told me she was sick earlier, had forgotten about that. And so I went in later, she was still sleeping and I wanted to floss my teeth to get the ribs out of my teeth. And as I'm standing there and I'm flossing kind of in the bathroom of, what was her cousin's house, a kind of a guest house that they had that was furnished. Um, I'll never forget kind of walking by the bathroom door, flossing and just looking out and seeing Winter sitting up in the bed. And then she just quickly kind of like slumped back over, almost like you guys know that move, like when you um, when you just don't like getting up and you just kind of lazily like flop, throw yourself back over. And so she did that, but there was something kind of unnatural about it. And I just remember just saying like, why are you playing like that? And as soon as I said those words, I knew that something was wrong. And um Long story short, uh, the next 30 minutes would probably be the most traumatic 30 minutes of my life. I would, um, I thought she was having like a seizure and anyway, she was, you know, convulsing and doing all the things that a seizure looks like. And, uh, I'm an Eagle Scout and had been trained in CPR. And so I swept her throat. So I thought maybe she was choking. And then I just basically started CPR because I realized that she wasn't breathing. And, uh, Long story short, in that 30 minutes, the paramedics would come probably 20 minutes into that 30 minutes. Uh, we were out in the country and uh, what was the most traumatic 30 minutes of my life were the last minutes of winter's life. And what I would say um, traumatic for me and I believe really peacefully for her, she glided into eternity, into heaven with Jesus. And so um, uh, it was painful. My three youngest daughters were there. Thank God my oldest daughter actually wasn't at the house. I said that wrong. She was actually out with her with her boy cousin, the girls that was at the house, their, their brother. And, um, you know, we all went to the hospital and lots of different ways in which we got there and lots of different, pretty impactful, big God stories. I'll just tell one real quick. I remember, so I was just talking to her, but we got to the hospital and I wouldn't know this for many weeks later, but my, um, one of Winter's really good friends, her name's Val. She's a surgeon at the hospital. And she walked in around the same time that my oldest daughter, Alina walked in, which was after me because she had come from somewhere else. And she just said, and Lena shared this publicly. That's why I'll share it. But she, Val said, she grabbed Alina by the face and she said, you serve a big God, a big, big God. Don't you ever forget it. And those words, I believe, were the stabilizing words that my daughter needed um, from a surgeon at a hospital who was also a really good friend of her mom's that would take her through maybe the next couple of weeks or a couple of months and um, words that I would need to hear when I was a pretty hurting dad that couldn't really help my girls that much in their pain and their grief, specifically my oldest daughter, who at the time was the oldest and you had a more sense of what was happening. And so um, that was a Tuesday. Um, we would do winter's funeral on a Friday, which was really a worship service because we knew where she was and it was a really beautiful worship service. And then that Saturday we would bury her. But that Friday, my boss, now boss, Darren Whitehead, pastor of church in the city would call me 
and just say, hey, if you guys want to move um, back to Dallas, we'll get your stuff back. We'll sell your house. Don't worry about any of it. But if you come, you'll find a family that's ready to adopt you. And um, that same day, I was taking a walk with my daughter, the same sidewalk I was on when I was talking to Darren. And Alina asked me, Dad, are we going to keep going to Nashville? And I was like, well, we need to pray about it and just kind of doing the leadership thing. And she just stopped me and said, Dad, I think we're supposed to go. Mom was more excited about Nashville than anybody. And so based on the words of a 14-year-old girl that was really hurting, we continued on. And for the last three and a half years, I've been a dad of four um, motherless girls, which is always a hard thing to say. But I think it's a, like a, it's a way to say it that actually is what it is. They're four motherless girls. Their mom is now in eternity. Um, just to fast forward, um, I wouldn't grieve for the first six months because I was a dad on a mission and I was just trying to just, you know, type A, just get, get it done. And I would start grieving in January of 19, six months after Winter died. Consequently, it would have been her 39th birthday that month. And I'd really, I feel like being in a grief space for a full year. When I, That month I started grieving, January of 19, I remember found myself in California at this conference in a basement in a wine cellar. And there was a couple that walked up to me named Darren and Krista. And Darren and Krista asked me my story. They said, sit with us and share your story. And I did. They're movie producers and um, beautiful family, godly family. And um, I'd share my story with them, not thinking anything about it. And about a year and a half later, year and five months later, uh, Darren would text me and just say, Hey, are you dating yet? And I was like, no, I'm dating the game of golf and my four daughters. I don't have time for anything else. And I was really settled to just be, I'm a dad, widowed dad. I got to get these girls through school and grief and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, he said, well, I have a friend, she's 40, she's single, she loves Jesus. Um, would you be, uh, interested? And I said, well, can I see a picture of her? And, uh, <laughs> he showed me a picture. Yeah. She's gorgeous. He also said she's an actress in Hollywood. And I was like, wait, 40, single, loves Jesus, actress in Hollywood. Like all, none of these things go together. And what I would find out is every one of those things went together. And um, after a pretty intense season of grief um, by myself, accepting the terms of where I was writing a lot about that, uh, I would find love again and uh, would fall in love over Zoom, really. And uh, as God would have it, I'd have two trips to California about three weeks after I talked to her the first time on zoom was the first one and then the second one a few um next second trip was a few weeks later and so god just expedited a bunch of stuff including i know this because you just told me where you lived a couple that moved from california um to nashville just a, six months before i met Peta, um basically invited her two months after we started dating they invited her to franklin to watch their daughters not knowing anything about me she knew nothing about franklin they just came here on a whim um, because they felt like God told them to come to Franklin. And uh, he was a, he was a engineer at Belmont. And he said, well, you come watch our girls while we um, go on our anniversary trip. And so she would actually come here and spend the summer in Franklin, summer of 2020 when COVID was happening. So I would say, and she would say that God stopped the world so that we could find each other. Cause she would never been able to leave. Cause you know, if she was working and um, but COVID stopped the world and we were able to get to know each other and, on October 1st of 2021, we got married and we are currently a few months into blending a family, which is uh, one of the most challenging, prayerful things I've ever done. So that's where I find myself today. That is incredible. First, I mean, congratulations. That's amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I know that's exciting. And, and also probably a lot of adjustment happening for both of you guys and for your girls. I, I do want to go back to walking your girls through this transition it's been what four or five years now right uh, Since, no, three and a half three and a half okay yeah. three and a half yeah. um mm -hmm. 
you know, I was telling Chris before we got on that I got to meet Winter a couple of months before she passed away. And I remember the day that she passed away because it was our anniversary. It was July 24th. And wow. I remember coming back and and being, you know, talking, sitting on the couch and getting a, a text from a mutual friend saying, hey, pray, you know, we weren't sure yet if she had passed and then that she had passed away. And, um, you know, you guys have walked through quite a journey moving to a new city, you know, walking through grieving with your girls, being in new schools, new churches, new community, everything. It could not have been easy. And, you know, I just have to ask for those listening who are walking through any kind of hard transition, what are some of the main lessons that God taught you over the last few years, walking this through with your kids? What are maybe just a handful of those main key lessons that really helped carry you guys through that? Yeah. Well, I'd say, first of all, um, there's a short quote by um, my mentor, spiritual dad, Tony Evans, where he says, if all you see is what you see, you'll never see all there is to be seen. And I'll just say that these last three and a half years, as difficult as it's been, as painful as the loss was, um, as much as I've realized, wow, I need Jesus more than I ever have. I'm as more broken than I've ever been. Like in all of that, like I feel like God's given me a front row seat to being able to see what I can't see. Just choosing to see, Paul says in uh, Philippians chapter four, whatever is true, right, honorable, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, dwell on these things. And so that, that's that been kind of the theme for me of um, of what we've walked through, of what I've walked through um, as a dad. And I do realize, um, you know, more broken than I ever thought I was, um, more in need than I ever thought I was as well. But one of the things I'm really grateful for is that God knew what we needed. I never got a tattoo because I never knew what I would put on my body. But when I finally knew, I knew. And it's actually Psalm 34, 7, which is on my right back, back of my right shoulder, which says that the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he rescues them. And I would say our move to Nashville, our connecting to, connecting to a new church, the new school, like all of the change was, I believe God knew exactly what we would need in terms of like identity. Because we were honestly, like we were so tied in with, um, the Evans family, which was my winter, uh, was winter Evans. She was Tony Evans, my boss's niece. Everything was so close and beautiful. But I think if, if God wouldn't have airlifted us out, my identity would probably always been there. I never would have left. And they're great people. We're actually going there for Christmas a day after actually Christmas evening. We'll fly back to Dallas and spend the week with them. So I still love my family. I, I, I love them so very much, but ultimately I think that God knew that we needed to know who we were in him, not just in, this beautiful, wonderful family dynasty, <laughs> so to say. <laughs> and uh, so it's been um, been really beautiful to be here. It's been really challenging. And I, I, I've said it's been like an incubator of healing being here in Franklin. Our home, my sister moved in with us. She was single, never been married, told me the day I went to funeral, if you need me, I'll come. And so she moved in with us. And God was just able to kind of custom make a grief experience for us that I will always look back on and be grateful for. Hey guys, thanks again for listening. We'll get back to the show in a minute. But real quick, just want to remind you to order a copy, or two or three, of my parents' new book, The Rhythm of Us, from your favorite retailer. All right, let's get back to the show. You know, I think one of the questions I'd like to ask is because, you know, there may be people here listening because, you know, when tragedy strikes, it's that weird place that you don't if you're on the other side of it, and you're standing back watching. I mean, we just had one of our daughter's friends, 
you know, her father just passed of cancer. They literally live mm. across the street, you know, and you, it's that moment you go, okay, we're going to, we're going to give flowers, you know, but what is th- th- that journey? Sometimes you just don't know what to do. And it depends on obviously the relationship you have with the person who's going through the, the tragedy or the trauma, but from where you're sitting, what would you say are some of the things, I mean, you had a lot of people that came around you. Obviously you hit that season, that stride. Okay. It's January. It's grieving time. God, mm-hmm. God slowed you down and, and made that possible. What would you say were some of the things that you find that are helpful that people can do? Cause there's a lot of people listening going like, what do I do if a friend has a miscarriage or I, they do lose a loved one. And maybe some of the things you'd say, Hey, maybe don't do this one <laughs> yeah. along the way as well. I'd say um, to keep it simple, just stay in your lane and stay in your gifting. You know, your lane is like the lane of friendship you've had with that person. So all of a sudden, like somebody um, in your community loses someone. Well, did you have a close friendship with them? Because if you did, then maybe the response is going to be much closer than if you didn't. I think oftentimes people just want to help because they know there's a massive need, but there wasn't a lane of friendship and trust and community that that is there to help facilitate whatever that thing might be. And so I would just say, staying in the lane that you're in and not forcing yourself into a different lane with a person who doesn't have capacity to develop friendship with you and trust with you in that moment. Um, The other thing I would say is stay in your gifting. So like what has God gifted you to do or gifted you with that you could actually use to benefit that family. And so um, if you stay in your lane and you stay in your gifting, I think there's going to be an easier way to respond than what you might actually be thinking because it's like something natural, something that comes to you naturally. Like my sister, Carmen, she had close proximity with me and trust And then she also had flexibility in her life where my other two sisters didn't. And so she was like, Hey, like, I feel like God's telling me to help you. So she moved here. Well, was in her lane because she had the trust and the relationship to do that. And then it was in her gifting because she had the capacity and she's a licensed counselor by trade, literally like that's what she's a counselor. So it's like, she came into our home and she was a custom made person to be there. Mm. And um, yeah, that's what I'd say. Uh, You know, for me, even since we've been here, like I think about, we have a neighbor, who their son, who is the age of my youngest daughters, I think 12, 13 years old, who long battle of cancer and finally passed away. Well, like, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know them that well, but I knew them a little bit. So my, my lane was praying for them. Cause I wasn't like, they've had all these people around them and community around them. So me walking up on their doorstep and trying to help them out was probably not the right thing. The right thing for me was just to pray for them. And then eventually like I'm walking one day in my neighborhood and strike up a conversation, um, with his mom and get to have a conversation with her about loss and the similarity and obviously the differences and losing a spouse versus a child and encourage her that way. But, you know, and then, you know, you always have the opportunity to give, you know, like ultimately like somebody that walks through the loss of a family member because of a cancer battle or some long journey is going to have financial need or somebody who loses a spouse is going to have financial need. And there are so many people that I didn't know that came around our family financially, which literally changed the trajectory of our family. Like we had, when winter died, we had college debt. When winter died, we had other debt. When winter died, there were so many things in our lives that us going from two incomes to one income would have been a massive challenge for us. And literally our community and people I didn't even know changed the trajectory of our financial life and journey. It's incredible. I'm a different man. Our household was different because people cared enough to invest in us to pay off debt and um, to provide meals and all those things, which you don't need, by the way, for meals and things like that. You don't need that much of a lane or that much gifting if you can buy a gift card. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah <laughs> That's in most of our, our gift giftings. cards are always helpful for anybody walking through something like that, to be honest. Yeah. I love that. No, that's really good. Thank you for sharing that. You know, you've done a lot of work 
on your own story, right? And that's something you talk about owning your own story. And I love one of the quotes that you used was from Kurt Thompson and said, to the degree that a parent owns their own story is the degree that a child can feel secure in theirs. And honestly, I've, I don't think I've ever heard it put that way before. And I, I'm excited for you to kind of unpack what that's looked like for you in your story. Um, how does that impact our kids? Just the, you know, taking the time to notice what's going on in our own story and really owning the path that God has us on. What, how does that impact our kids and, and what does that look like in your life specifically? Yeah, it's looked different ways at different times. I'll never forget um, being at Winter's funeral and uh, one of my daughters, um, you know, it's just, it's just really hard like to be confronted with your with your mom's body at a funeral and all that. And I'll never forget um, we did a did the viewing and then everybody kind of went backstage. And I'll never forget I wanted to stay out and just be there to thank people. I mean, we had a thousand people. It was crazy, like a thousand people there. People coming from all over the country to kind of mourn the loss of winter and celebrate her life and. Um, I'll never forget this one daughter specifically kind of coming out and standing next to me as I literally shook, I don't know, 500, 600, 700, 800, I don't remember how many hands, thanking them for being there. And I'll never forget looking to my right side and seeing this daughter standing there, kind of looking up at me and then imitating what I would say is my faith. You know, Paul says, uh, remember your leadership spoke the word of God to you. Um, consider the outcome of their way and imitate their faith. And it was a moment for me of going like, oh my gosh, like, if I can just do what God's called me to do, then they can watch me and follow me. And that's, that's worked out different for different girls because they're not all like me. They're, some of them are very different than me and actually a lot more like their mom. And so I've had to give them space as well. I'll tell you another story and that we shared this publicly, so I'll share it. But my at one point, um, you know, my oldest daughter told me, she said, I'm having a hard time believing that God is real. And if he's real, I'm having a hard time believing that he's good. And instead of like dropping to my knees with compassion and saying, I'm so sorry, I understand why you would feel that way. This is really hard. I kind of like stormed out of the room. I'm like, I'm living this life of faith and I can't believe she would and blah, blah, blah. I didn't say that, but that's what I'm thinking. And I had to actually repent. And it was a moment where I realized I had like this kind of codependent relationship where if she's happy, I'm happy. If she's sad, I'm sad. And I, gotta, and I had to repent of that. And ultimately for me to own my story with this one daughter I'm talking about at the funeral is her just watching who I am and how I live and imitating that. And with another that I can be secure enough in my faith that I don't, I can trust that God's got her, that God's got my daughter in those moments of hardship and difficulty, even if my experience isn't the same as hers. Um, and so anyway, it's looked different in different seasons. I think now um, for me, it's even, and I got here through counseling, by the way, it's even choosing one to celebrate my new life, my new marriage, and not feel like even the continued grief of those around me or the continued hardship of those around me through the loss Um it shouldn't diminish my celebration of my now wife and my love for my now wife. And so being able to being able and willing and courageous enough to step into that, despite how that might, you know, be difficult and challenging for others for lots of reasons has been also owning my story and trusting that like like what my counselor said is like, there's nothing else that will, that will show them a better picture of God than you like loving your now wife. Well, and, celebrating her well, like in, in moments where it's like, ah, you want to kind of minimize, you want to kind of downplay. I mean, I've, I've gotten there through a lot of really difficult moments and hard conversations and being kicked in the pants by a counselor a few times. So, so I think it looks different at different, at different times. And it's really the most courageous thing we can do is own our story, own what God's called us to do. And the question for us is, do we believe that God's calling us to do the thing we're doing? Because if we, if we do, we better own it. 
if we don't, then we better stop doing that very thing. And so my question right now for myself and everything I'm walking through, both the joy and the sorrow, because they're always both there, is I'm, am I working walking in God's purpose? Am I doing the thing that he wants me to do? If I am, I can walk secure in where I'm at, in the hardship and in the good. So, so good. Love it. Well, uh, speaking of stories and chapters, you got a brand new chapter. Obviously, we've got this marriage book called The Rhythm of Us, and you're stepping back in, man. You've got a whole new journey <laughs> ahead of you. And so we have these five yeah, rhythms yeah. that we <laughs> talk about. And so we always kind of like to ask as we wrap it up here is, um, and the five rhythms are this. It's speaking life, it's serving, slowing down, seeking adventure, and staying in awe. So it's speaking life, serving, slowing down, seeking adventure, and staying in awe. And we kind of like to ask, what's one that maybe you're seeing? And this is fresh off the press for you. You're talking about October. Yeah. Here we are a couple months later, right? You're like, I don't know, man. I'm just <laughs> one day at a time here. But um, but what, what's maybe a rhythm that you guys are finding that's you know coming pretty natural for you? Maybe even you saw that in your dating life and it's carrying over here into the married life. But And then what's a rhythm that you say, hey, that's one that maybe we, we want to work on or, or we're trying to grow in together? Yeah, what's interesting is I would say in all those things, there's one that I know that I need to grow in the most, which isn't natural to me, but it is natural to PETA. And that is slowing down. Yeah, I, like even today, like we had a pretty productive morning. Like I had a meeting early in the morning and then we, she and I had a meeting together that we had. And then she went to get one of my girls from school because it's testing time. So she went to grab her and then she got back and she's like, hey, um, do you want to sit down and just um, spend some time with the Lord, like just um, in prayer and and I was like, ah, oh, well, I would, but um, ultimately I, I know my mind's not going to be there because I have some things to get done. I got this podcast coming up and she's just like, okay. And I mean, she said, okay, in the way where I'm like, I know that I'm doing something wrong. I don't know exactly what it is. <laughs> so anyway, what's really beautiful is- Off the I, press, man. <laughs> yeah. What's really beautiful is I stopped for long enough to reconsider the answer that I gave her. And we ended up grabbing some boiled eggs and some- coffee and sitting outside in this beautiful 70 degree day in Franklin, Tennessee and praying for like 20, 25 minutes and just spending some time reading a little bit of scripture and just taking, slowing down just enough to get what we actually, what's the most important nutritious thing we can do, which is the word of God and just spending time in prayer. And that's hard for me because I always feel like something is more important than the other thing. And obviously that's the most important thing. And so that's the one I need to grow the most and probably be looking to others to help me with because I've gone a million miles an hour my entire life. I like going fast. Um, and I don't mind making mistakes because when you go fast, you make mistakes. I just build in the margin for error. But ultimately, it's not healthy. It's not sustainable. And so I'm really grateful that my wife has that built into her and not just like in the day, but around holidays and around vacation and around all those things. And so that's probably the one I need to grow the most. I mean, honestly, the other four, you know, like, staying in awe, I think you said is how you said it. Like mm -hmm. I'm in awe of what God's done and almost like so much in all that, you know, like you can be in awe and you can actually get fearful because it's, you feel like God's plan is so grand and so big and there's so much you don't know. And so I like it, it can, it can start to freak me out a little bit because God's ways aren't our ways. His thoughts aren't our thoughts and as high as his ways are above the heaven. So is whatever, like just, I can't finish the rest of the scripture, but ultimately God has so much more plan and his plans are so much bigger than anything I could have ever imagined. And so I stay in awe of him adventure like she and i both love adventure like even for her birthday we just went on a hike which was really beautiful like uh, so we share that yeah i mean I, and you probably didn't ask me to answer all these but i just like it just <laughs> Dude, keep going like, man. I'm, a, I'm an acts of service type guy okay so i think oftentimes i can tend to want to love through service mm -hmm. um 
And then speaking life is one, I think it's easy for me to do when I feel it. And so I'll speak life and encourage when I feel it. I think I need to grow the most when, even when I don't feel it, to see it and to call it out. Whether that be in my wife or whether that be in my girls, to be honest with you. Like that's a, that's, that needs to be true of me in marriage and in family and just in my community. And so, yeah, like um, I want to slow down. And really, honestly, slowing down helps you actually see things that you need to actually speak life about and into and encourage. And so that's my synopsis of all those things. That's beautiful, sure. beautiful rhythms. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, it's fun. You know, we're trying to win every day at those. So, <laughs> yeah. brother, I just want to say thank you for sharing your story and just being as authentic as you can. And even the work you're doing here locally in our in our town, that's, you know, we're in Bible study together and get to see the work you've done in the church. It's just been pretty amazing to watch and, and stand back and be in awe of your story and being able to just celebrate and worship alongside of you what God's done. It's pretty, pretty spectacular. And thanks for sharing with everybody listening. So, I know someone's listening here going, I gotta, I gotta find this dude. I gotta track him down. I gotta stalk him online. <laughs> where 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 are they gonna do that? Yeah, I mean, I think the easiest way to stalk me online would be Instagram. I, you know, I'm I'm posting less than I ever have because I'm just busy, you know, doing the blended family thing. But like Pitts JR26 is my Instagram handle. Pitts P-I-T-T-S J-R26. Um, everything else, I'm still running my late wife's ministry for girls like you. And um that handle at for girls like you for Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that. Um, they're the places. And then I'm a pastor at church of the city. So if you ever want to come watch a church of the city service center, more than ever now, we've got people kind of tapping in from all over the country and every once in a while you can catch me on the stage, but yeah, I'm around. You can find me if you really want to. I'm not, I'm not as cool as you guys maybe sound <laughs> round, anyway. international superstar. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll link to all of that in the show notes for people listening. We hope you'll uh, check out Jonathan and all that God's doing in and through him. And um, oh. thank you so much again for joining us. And I should mention, I have a book out on my story, which I never talk about. Okay, um, let's my yeah. My winter season, Seeing yeah. God's Faithfulness in the Shadow of Grief is um, really a, a kind of a memoir that recaps my story, but also just the ways that I saw God show up, lots of stories in real ways. Um, actually, one of those is a marriage book that we wrote that I turned in literally signed the final end of the manuscript the day that she died, which was like, for me, I'm like, that's not a coincidence. Like God's given me like this time capsule for this 15 year, 27 day marriage I had. Don't take that moment for granted. So anyway, sorry to cut yeah. you off. I felt like I had to at least share that. Oh no, that's so great. I hope people will pick up a copy of those and look up all that uh, Jonathan's up to and that God's doing in and through his life. Um, but thank you so much again for being here with us today. This was such an honor. Thanks, guys. Good, good to see you uh, online here and uh, hope to see you in person <laughs> soon. Hopefully, I'll be back at Bible study soon. It's all good, man. <laughs> Great. Thanks, brother. Thanks, Jonathan. See you guys. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of The Rhythm of Us. You can find all the resources and links mentioned in today's episode over at our website, therhythmofus.com. We hope you'll check those out, as well as our brand new book, The Rhythm of Us, which is available now to order wherever you get your books. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you again so much for joining us, friends. We will catch you next time on The Rhythm of Us.